welcome everybody to episode 172 of the Metabolist 2 <laughs> podcast, um, which this week features myself, Ben. And I am David. And we have a special guest. Hi, I'm Brian. Brian! Hooray! <laughs> hey! <laughs> Welcome to the Metabolist 2 podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to chatting with you guys. Yeah, yeah thank you for... Um, thank you for... <laughs> But devoting a proportion of your Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, actually, for you. Sunday evening for me in uh, Jersey. In Jersey, yeah. um, to this. Brian is one of the four illustrious four to Zoomsday. Yeah. A champion quiz of wrestling uh, contestants. One-time champions of the quiz of wrestling. I can't... Um, <laughs> the composition of that team changed over time, but I think it's sort of solidified now into Brian, myself, uh, Jess, the famous Jess Jerkovic, and the soon-to-be-famous... Lena, who is going to be a quiz master uh, in the next. Yes, with her, with her Jamie around. Yeah, it's it's been a trip, and uh, I have been honored to assume the role of team captain, uh, mainly because uh, I don't think I was struggling too much with the Google form part of the, <laughs> part of the quiz. I think. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. No, you're a you're a you're an excellent team captain. Um, you're certainly a better team captain than I was. I can't speak for you, David. <laughs> I was stressed out. That's one of the reasons I bowed out. It's sort of like I cannot manage the Google Docs, answer the questions in the time allotted. It's it's was it's gotten too much better. Stress. It's gotten well. I Definitely. Mean, I, I, I guess it's gotten better because Brian's in charge. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> That's probably right. We miss you. So I, come back. Uh, come back anytime you're ready. Because <laughs> I think I think the quiz of Rasslon people have gotten better at it as well. Actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because technology, it's hard. It's not easy. It's hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you had mentioned that you were a podcaster in the past, Brian, when we were talking. Yeah. Um, what had you been doing before? I had been, so a couple of years ago, uh, I had gotten back into Marvel Comics in a big way after oh, like yeah? a 20, 25 year hiatus, uh, and in particular, <laughs> Spider-Man. Um, but then being in my 40s, I really didn't have too many people in my social circle that I could talk with about it. So I started looking up uh, podcasts and I found this great Spidey podcast um, called Superior Spider Talk. And they had a whole website and things like that. So I uh, reached out to them, became friends with them um, over the years and wrote a couple of reviews and then ended up sitting in on the show once or twice and then started my own podcast, which was a sort of spinoff way. This was before the Spider-Verse film had come out, so Miles Morales was a new character, <laughs> right, right, uh, okay. as was Spider-Gwen. So we started a show called Ultimate Spin uh, and did that for mm. about four years, covering uh, those two characters and their stories. And it was fun. Over the years, we got to actually connect with the creators and wow. uh, landed some really good interviews, um, got to chat with Brian Michael Bendis for wow. a while, which is a lot of fun. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so but after about four years... It was time to move on to something else. So, yeah. it gets to be a bit too much. Did you were you a weekly? Were you a monthly? How did you? What was your release schedule like? So that was a. Th- so we we followed the publication schedule, which you know issues come out every month, but basically it's mm-hmm. uh, we would record. So comics come out on Wednesday, so we tend to record that weekend. So mm-hmm. that was fun, but also kind of puts a cramp in your personal schedule because like, you know, <laughs> try to make plans like Marvel decides whenever they're going to do it. So you just have to kind of right. kind of roll with that. So. Yeah. And it's tough when you have uh, a work and you have family and stuff. It's sort of like you also have this uh, third thing going on with the podcast. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, 172 episodes now, I guess, as we're doing this one. So yeah, I don't, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't need to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. we take it easy. I think we take half of August, half of September off a lot of almost yeah. every year. Yeah. And Ben does a lot of traveling, so we just Dude. record whenever. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, less traveling at the moment. Yeah, well. Obviously, but there you go. Yeah. COVID. COVID and all that malarkey. So what we're doing, uh, Ben and I have been nattering on for over over 170 episodes uh, this summer, specifically on Tom Baker and his time in Doctor Who. And we we thought it'd be really good to have you come on the podcast and just give a different perspective. Because after... After so many episodes talking to one another, we 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 tend to know what each other thinks sure. about, <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. about what's going on, and so we're just throwing it open to friends of the podcast of what what their experience with Doctor Who is, uh, specifically the Tom Baker years. I grew up in the Twin Cities, so I I was watching it on KTCA in kind of an endless loop. I don't know what your experience is with it. I was in the Twin Cities uh, watching on KTCA too, as yeah, well. So now, yeah. now an East Coaster moved. We're both in different Europe. I, we went opposite directions, I think. Right? Coast, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> out of the Midwest, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> are, we, are you are you then roughly the same age? You two? Yeah, I'm knocking on 46. Oh, so I'm only five years older. All right. So. Okay. Did you remember yeah. it being on the evenings then? Yeah, so actually, um, I had moved uh, as a kid uh, from New York to Minnesota in the late 80s, and um, Mm -hmm. one of my first Mm -hmm. friends when I got to middle school was the famous Jess Jerkovic. Oh, he's a famous man. (laughs) And it was Jess's uh, Doctor Who, um, or love for Doctor Who that, you know, kind of opened my eyes to it, because I'd I'd vaguely caught it now and then on uh, the PBS stations, but I didn't really know too much about yeah. it. But he and I were working together on a project for school. So I huh. went over to his place to, to work on the project. And his room had this very impressive shelf of Target novels. And, of course, uh-huh. the Peter Haining, you know, <laughs> Bibles, you know. Right. Like, well, what What right, is right. all this? You know, and so got mm-hmm. into the conversation that way. Um, and, you know, would borrow, just start flipping through the books and, you know, was just captivated by this at the time around 20 years right. of history you know um mm-hmm. it's fascinating uh and so yeah to ktca was showing it quite a bit because they uh i must have had some some major fans at the network because i vaguely remember it was i think tom baker like friday nights and then william hartnell patrick Troughton saturday mornings right and then right. you know whatever with like john pertwee i think saturday nights and they would kind of cycle through mm-hmm. those um mm-hmm. and of course those were all the uh, omnibus editions so they were they're were right so right. i didn't i really didn't know that they were you know originally aired as, as single episodes but mm-hmm. but yeah uh i guess so i didn't really get to catch it for a while you know my my introduction actually came through the Target novels because they were um, ubiquitous. You could find them anywhere at um, mm-hmm. the bookstores, you know, like Walden Books. You right, know. right. <laughs> these, these, <laughs> were, these, these were the actual Target books. They weren't the kind of the, pin, was it Pinnacle, the the kind of American ones? Okay. No, these were right. these were the Targets. So mm. my first two books that I bought, I did buy uh, Doctor Who and the Crusaders and Doctor Who and the creature from the pit, which I just heard Fun. you guys talking about. Uh, in your oh, that's, that's, a, that's a spread there. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you remember, but doesn't that one seem to end rather abruptly? I I heard you mention that, and I I was <laughs> I don't have it anymore, okay. so I can't yeah, no. check. But I don't know if you got like the you know mm-hmm. odd printing error or if the 
the book actually just gave up. <laughs> <laughs> Ran out of page count. It's like, all right. You well, had 128 yeah, pages. That's it. Yeah. Can't go any further. Do yeah. This. Were you into Marvel before Doctor Who or were uh, kind of um, concurrently? Con- definitely before Doctor Who. I mean, I grew Spider-Man. up with mm-hmm. Spider-Man. And yeah, definitely. Mm. He's, your, he's my gateway. <laughs> Fandom. Um, to the Avengers <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was just wondering if did you branch out into Doctor Who comics after that? I did actually because at that age I very much had a collector mentality. So it started with comic books. And so mm-hmm. I think it was almost like seeing Jess's collection kind of like flick flick that switch. Press some <laughs> button for like, hmm, there's like and you'd go to the bookstore and there'd be just, you know, shelves of this stuff. It's like, all right, um, so let me check it out. And so wandering into the comic shop, I did find some of the Marvel reprints of the Doctor Who magazine strips for Tom Baker. They had Marvel in the U.S. had released those as a story. So Doctor Who and the Star Beast and the Iron Legion and, Mm -hmm. you know. um, So all the early Tom Baker uh, ones that were in the DWM. Yeah. 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 So Pat Mills and Joan Wagner. And and a a different companion. It was was Sharon, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was with the one with the was it Meep? Beep the Meep. Beep the Meep. Beep the Meep. Yeah, that's Pat Mills, I think. Yeah, the writer on that. Mm-hmm. And then Dave Gibbons was doing the the watch, Watchman guy who's doing the artwork. Yeah, 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 yeah. What did you think of those? They were so. It was an interesting way to kind of get into Tom Baker because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen a lot of his stories. Right. So they were just you know really wild and kind of over the top and um he's kind of this frantic character in the in the strip so it was uh it was interesting for me to kind of go from that to trying to watch the show and the first episode i saw i actually had asked uh my mom to take me to the library because mm-hmm. we didn't have our own vcr at the time yet um, but you could check out a tape uh, and, you know, the library had like a little setup where you could watch, right, yeah. you know, there. Viewing rooms. So she dropped me – yeah, so she dropped me off uh, for two hours and I, the first story I saw was Robots of Death. Oh, that's a nice one. Right? And yeah. I like that wow. cover. Going on. Yeah, and the VHS cover, I think it just had, you know – one of the Vox just kind of repeated, you know, it was just kind of like a cut and paste. Yep. But it was, it was in omnibus format too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it's this great kind of Agatha Christie style story and the amazing mm-hmm. costumes and, be- you know, the robots, as we all know, are, are just beautiful and stunning to look at. Um, and I, I had a blast. I'm like, all right, I, I got to watch more. Mm-hmm. And so then, um, you know, the only knowledge I had was like kind of scouring the, like, little paragraph listings in like the Peter Haining book, like the summaries mm. of the stories or the Jean-Marc uh, Lafcier, uh <laughs> mm-hmm. program guides, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. that was all you had. Mm-hmm. And then I said, all right, now let me jump in and it's Friday night and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch Warrior's Gate. Mm-hmm. And what a story to start with. Right? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and this was on broadcast. This was on broadcast. Wow. So I, I, I had really no clue what was going on i knew the characters who they were so it was exciting mm-hmm. to see them and yeah you know it was fun to see canine and this strange story that i didn't i didn't know what was going on in terms of e-space you know right. just watching them wandering around but i'd seen things like uh the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy so it was that similar production values ah! and that you yeah. know that patty kingsland yeah. music which you know yeah uh, familiar that way yeah, yeah it was so it's so right so that was kind of a 
a touch point for me. So I loved mm-hmm. it. And then all of a sudden, Romana left, you know. And so right. <laughs> I'm following, you know, Keeper of Trock. And, oh, the master's back. I'd been reading about yeah. him. And that's what he looks like. Oh, you know? yeah, and yeah, now yeah, he changed. Yeah. And so then the momentum was going for these last few stories. And then you got to Legopolis. And it's this Doctor Who and an adventure with math and the end of the universe. And it was like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then he changed at the end and I, it, it was just, there was no going back. Um, and that's, oh, wow. and, but it was a weird, it was a weird way to start with Tom. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, and and then just, as I understand it, then they just rewound all the way back to the beginning again. Right. Um, I'm trying to remember if Kate, they didn't for Tom. I don't know if they were, I'm trying to remember if they went to Davison next or if they jumped around because it was around that time that. McCoy had just started, oh. and K- I don't know if you remember uh, David, but like KTCA had gotten Time in the Ronnie to show as a special. Yeah, that is, yeah. Um, it was Pledge by that special. special. Yeah, where so special. had to phone in for money. Right, <laughs> so it was kind of like who on the air. Yeah, that, that so would have encouraged really, me to phone um, in to give money if I'd seen that. <laughs> <laughs> Orchestral hits or those stabs all over the place. <laughs> kept going. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, and that was it for Tom for a while. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. really kind of get back to those stories because KTCA didn't. And mm-hmm. the tapes were kind of hard harder to come by, you know. So when mm-hmm. you're 14, 15, you know, your disposable income is limited. So it is. You can't go <laughs> pick up the tapes. So, And they were hideously expensive. Too. Yes, so they were. Off the air recording was the best you had had. If you had access to a VHS player, that was where it was at. Yes, and my my new friend at the time, the the legendary gesture Rikovic, had them all. <laughs> so, <laughs> so did so so the, did did the library have all the tapes or just a selection of tapes? They had a number of them, you know. So it was like the popular ones at the time were like Robots of Death, right? Uh, Revenge of the Cybermen, um, right? Excuse me, like Talents of Wang Chiang, things like yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh, and I, I'm so I'm so intrigued by this idea of a viewing room. So, like, you went to the library, you picked mm-hmm. out a tape, yep. and then they had a little room. What, what happens if someone else was in there? No, they were all, like, little uh, cubicles almost. So you had, like, the desk with the tape machine and the TV. Well, like an old-style kind of Times Square sort of porno. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. Well, I probably wouldn't have gone in that direction. But, yeah, you got the idea. <laughs> the screen goes up. No, you've got your you've got your headphones and, you know, like this big okay. clunky VCR, you know, you could. Wow. Top loader. They were in individual study rooms mm-hmm. usually, and there's probably two chairs in there. Wow. So you and another person could sit and watch, and they were probably on a 13 or 15-inch television. It was small. It's crazy. Yeah, crazy. it was really, it was it was pretty cozy, but um, yeah, but it was fun. Yeah, that was wow. the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. And uh, parents loved it because they would drop off their kid, and I'm just going to watch videos. So they knew what you're going to be doing and knew where you're going to be. You're going to be at the library, and you probably couldn't get in too much trouble watching, watching Doctor Who. <laughs> right. And, you know, ex- exactly. And the librarian's not going to let you, you know, <laughs> wander off with anything that you shouldn't be watching right. at that age. So right. it's yeah. all good. Right. Yep. So did, did, so did you have the same kind of experience as David where you kind of imprinted on Tom Baker? Because that was the main doctor that was sort of available. Yeah, I mean, is I mean, I, I mean, this this whole conversation is kind of predicated that you like Tom Baker and you think he's a good doctor. Um, which, you know, which those may are... be, yeah, I, may be wrong. You, you... Uh, no, those are those are pretty safe bets. Um, okay, all right. Good. Yeah, pretty, he. Uh, safe bets, yeah. I, I I do, and I think because he had been the doctor for so long, there was so much of him and so many of his stories to check out, and I think right. that's. That's how it was kind of introduced to America. That was the bulk of the the stories available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because as much as sort of, you know, he was sort of the imprint, I was really fascinated with the next Doctor. Davison. And I really wanted – so in a way, you know, I started with Tom, but then Peter almost became my Doctor because he was – it was new. Like the mm-hmm. right. the uh, supporting cast had turned over, you know, everything was new. So it was kind of – that was kind of the entry point in a strange way. And going in with Warrior's Gate on the broadcast, you got to see the pickup of uh, Nyssa, the pickup of Tegan. So you could follow I all. saw it all happening, right. Yeah, so there yeah. there was uh, that that momentum happening. Yeah. By the time I think you were watching it on Friday, Friday nights and Saturday nights that they had switched to the omnibus format on KTCA. And mm-hmm. there was late enough in the eighties. And if you were, if McCoy was the new doctor, then they were, they wouldn't have just looped on Tom Baker. They would have continued on as far as they could get all the way through trial and then time of the Ronnie. So right. the, the loop would expand as the eighties doctors started getting filled in by JNT. Yeah. I just think so in- this is all so interesting to me. <laughs> this is, I'm sorry, I just find this really interesting. I'm, which I, I was, then I suddenly thought to myself, wow, you find this interesting? But I do find this interesting. I think it's because it's so different from my experience mm-hmm. of getting into the show. And I just think it's so interesting that it was kind of broadcast in a way that sort of wasn't linear at all. It was kind of weirdly cyclical. But then as more Doctor stuff arrived, the circle would kind of grow and grow and grow until at some point, I guess, in the mid-90s, everyone decided they didn't like Doctor Who anymore and they took it off the air and then mm-hmm. it was gone. And you were like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. No, it's 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 strange to kind of think back on that time. And of course, there's, there's no internet and I didn't really know, besides mm-hmm. Jess, you know, too many people that were really sort of into it. So all my knowledge was from the reference books. Yeah. So that's that's how I kind of caught up and and then uh, you know if, if Peter Haining said the Gunfighters was a bad story then clearly it was so yeah. you, you, there was right. that sort of received fan wisdom you know for better or for worse mm-hmm. uh, starting to form these opinions um, before getting to form them for myself obviously so. Mm-hmm. When it went off the air, I guess with KTCA, it kind of stayed on the air. We didn't really find out it was canceled until I think later because it was always on. It was it was kind of yeah. ubiquitous. And I stopped watching it because I had a, the ones I was interested in on VHS and I was doing other things by then. I was a young adult. It was Friday night. I was sure. off dating or going to parties or something else. So right. did you lose interest in as as a young adult or in the wilderness years? Did you... How did you transition or find out or whatever? Yeah. So it just, and I think it was similar for me, David, just because, you know, survival had aired and it had that mm-hmm. that final moment, which was such a punch the air line mm-hmm. for us at the time. And then, and actually I should mention um, that year, or I guess a year or so before, Jess and I had actually gone to a convention where McCoy was there. Oh, wow. And so he was talking about that season and previewing it. Like, you know, it's really exciting and the... Master is coming back mm-hmm. and, you know, um, or the Brigadier is coming back. I don't think he spoiled the the part about the Master. But um, so it seemed, you know, like the show was for a kid, you know, and hearing the, the actor talk about it, it felt like the, the production was firing on all cylinders, you know, little did we know at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised that. Was, was, this, a, was this a convention in, in Minneapolis? In Minneapolis, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I, I think it was just kind of around that time, you know, in the middle of high school and then, you know, I'd still, every time I'd wander into a bookstore, I'd still walk by the Doctor Who section and start to see right. the new adventures. 
Um, and I'd pick them up and flip through them, and it didn't. They didn't oh. really speak to me. So um, mm. I kind of got lost during those wilderness years. Was there anything that didn't click with you for the uh, new adventures, or was what what kind of made you gloss over them? Um, I think it was the. You know, it's hard. It's hard to. I, I guess the interest wasn't strong enough. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, it wasn't like I. I loved Doctor Who, but I think at the time I'd I preferred watching it. Yeah, you know, and yeah. so the notion of like jumping into a book, like I loved reading, but I it didn't really strike me as like, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. One of the barriers to me for the new adventures was buying them because yeah, they cost money. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I guess they didn't cost a huge amount of money, but I was a I was in my early mid 20s or so um and i had other things to spend money on basically and you couldn't get them at the library obviously the library didn't carry them so you really had to and it was hard to pick out because i I'm, i mean I, I i think i bought the first mm-hmm. three four five or so and you know some of them i liked and some of them i didn't and it was like okay am i really going yeah. to embark on buying every single one and one of them, you know, some of them might suck and then I would have wasted my, because, you know, I had a bunch of other things, you know, I was buying comics and I was buying a bunch of stuff. And I think David's right, you know, in some ways, okay, well, if I saved up the amount of money that I'm spe- I am could spend on a Virgin book, I could get myself a VHS tape of, you know, right. one of the and, shows. And as we were saying, like, interests so. change, right? So at that point, yeah. like, well, I want to, I want to buy CDs. Right? <laughs> 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 yeah, music. Yeah. yeah, music was expensive yeah, as well. Sixteen, yeah. seventeen dollars a CD yeah. if you're lucky. Oh, yeah. Music was really expensive. Yeah. And I look at my. I haven't. I haven't uh, given up my shiny discs because mm-hmm. I'm still partial to having physical media. But yep. I. I think back and now with Spotify and streaming and sort of like, oh, sure. you do not know how easy music is to acquire <laughs> these days. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, kids these days. Gosh, they, don't, they don't know. They don't know anything. Different relationship with music. Yeah, yeah. So you were you were saying though you had uh, you had moved on and you were doing other things in the nineties. It was it the show coming back that brought you back into fandom? Do you think or I, you know of course uh, there was that spark with the the McGann movie. I was the year I was graduating college, and it was like kind of a sweet nostalgia like oh yeah Doctor Who. Like let me check mm-hmm. this out. And I got really hyped, you know, as they were showing the trailers, and then. <laughs> I watched it and just, we just actually, uh, a couple of weeks ago, that was a, a quiz category. It on, was a quiz category, wasn't it? Yeah. Is, so I sat through that movie again and I like never again, like, I don't know how mm. that was made, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> what it had to do with Doctor Who. Um, yeah. But yeah, that kind of, uh, that kind of pushed me away for, mm-hmm. for a long time. And then I found Big Finish. Yeah. Uh, 99. Oh. And then the... I looked up Doctor Who on a whim, um, just bored <laughs> night at home. And I, I actually had been watching some of my own off-air broadcasts. And I wonder if anyone's talking about it. And then I found uh, Big Finish and the Sirens of Time. Mm. And it was, you know, Davison and Colin Baker and, uh, and McCoy. And I yeah. thought, hey, this is, this is great. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I got into those. for that, that actually brought me back, I think. Wow. Really? That's great. So sort of the tail end of the wilderness years was Big Finish for me. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think you're the first person I met that big finish brought them back into the fold. That's that's yeah. that's kind of cool. H- had you done much with audio drama listening to them before? Or? Oh my god, I love I love 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 audio drama. Wow, um, yeah. One of my all time favorite things is uh, NPR's production of Star Wars. Oh yeah, yeah, amazing. Just just phenomenal and holds up in, uh, at least the first. Uh, 
film, the first the, one, the yeah. first one holds up incredibly well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I used to actually uh, NPR or NPR in Minnesota uh, played quite a bit of that too. So I, mm-hmm. I I love things like Hitchhiker's Guide and yeah. um, even stuff like The Hobbit and you know, all the BBC productions were great. Mm-hmm. I remember listening to those. That would it was always more accessible on public radio having their audio drama, radio dramas than mm-hmm. any kind of television because television with only one television in the house, there's always more radios. Yeah. There's always a way to record, at least in my house, uh, something off the air with like a little cassette player holding holding a microphone up to the radio or something. So you could always re-experience them for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a lot, in many ways, it's a lot more accessible for a young person. Yeah. And um, just to take it take it back for, for a moment, um, one of the cool collectibles I had uh, for Doctor Who was a cassette. Uh, it was actually a two-pack cassette of uh, Genesis of the Daleks and Slipback. And Genesis <laughs> of the Daleks was the record version, I guess, narrated yeah. by Tom. Cool. Yeah, um, right. And so that was my you know experience. I think that was, I guess that was technically my first experience with Doctor Who on audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved it. It was great. And that's actually how I first experienced that story. Wow. So there was, and I don't know if you remember, but in the narration, um, steps out of the TARDIS. I step, step, you know, from the TARDIS. So there's nothing yeah. about time rings yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love, love Tom on audio. Um, and he didn't join Big Finish for some time. And I don't know, you guys, do you guys remember he did this thing for BBC Audio? Um, yeah, the Nest Cottage Chronicles yeah. or whatever <laughs> so, it is. Yeah, it was Paul Mars. Never, I haven't heard them, no. Uh, they're so... No, Paul Mars, you know... <laughs> Whimsy. W- whimsical, <laughs> yes. Whimsical. <laughs> so, there's, there's, not, there's, not, there's not a whim that he's not wanted to sickle. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I did listen to those... Um, and I, I, there were three uh, series of it. Uh, I loved the first series because it was so off the wall. And right. it was more like The Adventures of Tom Baker than Doctor Who. <laughs> um, and, but it, it, was, it was great. And I, I think that's something that fans always like to point to is that you know, Doctor Who is limited by your imagination. It can be anything you want it to be. So yeah. right. why not have the Doctor once in a while just taking a little time out? He stays in this tiny little cottage he's got a cranky housekeeper um and then he connects up with uh, mike yates and they have a series of adventures yeah why not <laughs> why not, and why not it, mike could, yates? It, it, it could happen <laughs> yeah and i mean seriously tom baker on audio it's i don't know it's like the audio equivalent of like just warm chocolate in your ears it's just that his mm-hmm. deep resonant voice and he's such yeah. a talented enthusiastic narrator i i enjoyed the first series i enjoyed and then he eventually did make his way over to to big finish um mm-hmm. where i must admit i had, did not click with those stories as much as i as i wanted to i thought mm, he okay. I thought his performance by that point he had been doing it for bbc a little bit right mm. and i thought he clicked really well with uh louise jameson um mm-hmm. okay. that was the the first first series i think was just her the standout one for me on that one is the Wrath of the Iceni. I think was mm-hmm. probably really really good one. But like the Nerva Return to Nerva, yeah, wasn't Destination Nerva wasn't quite as yeah wasn't quite as good. So it was hit or miss. I thought yeah, and it was funny. Destination Nerva was just like let's press every nostalgia button that we can manage, <laughs> like right down to the uh, 
very impressive uh, Dudley Simpson style score they had for it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I didn't, I I wanted to like them. He did get one series in with Mary Tam and I found I enjoyed Mm -hmm. that a lot better. I thought they they clicked really well. Um, Do you have a favorite from those? One, not to put you on the spot. No, no. Uh, I loved uh, the first one. Was silly. It was kind of this PG Wodehouse uh, antimatter. Uh, the like the that. yeah the antimatter right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought she was getting that. There was one. Um, I think the Jago and Lightfoot stuff oh, is yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. So anytime yeah. they were doing something, so that uh, I forgot what that one was called, but it was with uh, the, the robot Jaxar or something. Yeah. Ja- Justice like. Jaxar, whatever, but yeah. Yeah, Justice of Jaxar or something yeah, yeah. like that. But um, yeah, that that was... Those are good. Those are good. Yep. Yeah. Did you, if you like Tom, did you look at or listen to the Baffle Gab ones where Baker's End, where he kind of played himself, but dead I or know the, undead? Right. The, I, I know the premise, uh, right? So it's like, it starts with his funeral, mm-hmm. right? Like Katie Manning's in it. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Diane Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he hand it over to Colin Baker at some point? He does. Yes, it's uh, the great, great British, great British Baker off, I guess. Nice. <laughs> but it, it's it's very Paul Mars. So it's you know yes, they have goblins, is. giant cats, you right? Know, libraries, that type. Old of stuff. women, strange old ladies, right? Old ladies, yep, yep. Yeah. eccentric old ladies. <laughs> yep. So the, uh, what's what's really again interesting to me is it's like it's the. The, certainly the the baker experience for you is like completely multimedia it's like there's the tv there's the library there's the comics yeah. there's the books that you started reading and there's the big finish and then there's bbc audios the uh it's the like, symphony outtakes right it's very um symphony outtakes oh, <laughs> okay so when we're done <laughs> go look this up uh it's a it's okay. a famous recording of <laughs> their outtakes Tom Baker was brought in to record uh, some radio commercials for a company called Symphony. Okay. And I guess he was having a bad day. Please, please <laughs> if you're listening to this, or and you guys have to, like, when we're done, go look this up. Um, so the, the engineer just left it running, and he is just cranky and mad and just <laughs> irritable and just – And difficult. And mm-hmm. just starts like he'll read the line, he'll get he'll start criticizing the copy, and wow. every other just it's not safe for work, so every other word is filled <laughs> with four letters. But it's in this wonderful Tom Baker way. Like you've never heard that side of him, but oh, it's uh, so the real Tom, <laughs> the real Tom, just like not having it. Um, what date are these? I wish I knew. I would imagine I've not heard of these. I would imagine the eighties, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it gives you a good idea what 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 Alan Bromley and various other directors yeah. had to had to or deal Lu- with. Poor poor Louise. Or Louise. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get out of here. Get out. Yeah, I knew that back when um, in the '90s, BT I think had them um, doing uh, record all the letter all the words in the alphabet so they could read voicemail. Over analog oh phones, so people were yeah, yeah. having <laughs> having them recite all sorts of uh, uh, <laughs> shades of well, Stephen Toast. There, yes, yes, right. <laughs> all sorts of uh, naughty words, I guess. So I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> but I hadn't heard of the symphony outtakes. I'll have to. I don't know. My childhood hero. It's never meet your heroes. Maybe oh, yeah, never listen a, yeah, to yeah, a lot yeah. of bad day. Maybe. <laughs> um, and I did. Uh, I'll probably get because I still have a credit left for uh, for Audible, but he 
did a novel of the yeah. Scratchman script yeah. that he wanted to yeah. do. And I've heard nothing but great reviews of it. Um, he's narrating yep. it in character, uh, which sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. He's narrating it in character, but also Tom Baker, because those two yes. kind of joined together. And <laughs> They have, right? <laughs> and And I've listened to it, and it's like... He knows his audience, so he'll go, you'll like this next bit. And, <laughs> you'll like this next bit. <laughs> oh, fun. <laughs> or like, uh, I bet you don't think I can get out of this scrape or something like that. Oh, so he's fun. very much in character, but also Tom Baker. Okay. So w- worth listening, you think? Definitely. I think it's uh, it's a much more pleasant listen to than just st- a straight out read. I think straight out read, you might lose more then you you don't get all the bakerisms because even yeah. though he co-wrote this with um, James Goss, with him performing it, mm-hmm. he brings so much more to the production than just uh, on the printed page, in my opinion. Oh, right. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, it's a bit of a thin read. It's like a, yeah. it's like a late period Terrence Dix. <laughs> <It's kind of laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a script with some description with some descriptions in it. So do you have, like, when you think of Tom Baker, is it, like you were saying, the voice, is it that's what you gravitate to? Or is there something something else? What what do you think it is that would make you think Tom Baker? What would you miss when when we can't get Tom anymore? That is a good question. Um, yeah, because, you know, as we're talking about it, like Tom Baker, I guess I started with him on the printed page, right? right? right. So, you know, re- so, um, yeah, I think, I think he's one of the the actors who have played the role and i think you were you were touching upon this um just a moment ago where the actor and the role are so intertwined mm-hmm. i mean it's just it's almost the same person you know in in so many right. ways as we're saying kind of like the adventures of tom baker so this <laughs> this kind of you know his enthusiasm and and joy and just kind of marveling at um marveling at the world around him and you know his, his sense of humor and the ability to take on serious things but then still i mean even what you were just talking about with the audiobook just kind of like a, a wink and a smile like yeah. knowing his appreciating his audience mm-hmm. i guess is a way to say it, especially younger viewers mm-hmm. and so it's something i didn't really pick up on until i had the chance to kind of go back and watch the older stories, um, you know, even like his first story is, ro- you know, robot and just kind of like the energy um, yeah. and just excitement, mm-hmm. just, you know, um, and such a contrast from his predecessor. And then to think back to Warrior's Gate, where he's very sullen and morose. Right. And it wasn't until later you find out, well, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on as well. Mm-hmm. But it just comes through like his heart's not in it. <laughs> so it makes those it makes those stories kind of bittersweet to watch mm-hmm. because so many exciting things were happening, you know, whether they aged well or, or not, that's, you know, not for me to say. Um, I appreciated the effort to rejuvenate the show, but then when your leading actor, you know, can't roll with those changes, right. you know, it's just, it's it's a little hard to watch. You mm-hmm. know, he was, he's very much out of place yeah. in his own show, which is, mm-hmm. which is tough. So um, that's a rambling answer. I think I got away from the original question, but... I think, um, yeah, he he just defines he defines the role because he he is it. He, yeah. he lives the role. I mean, you hear those anecdotes like people finding him in the street, like, "Hey, you know, I'm so thrilled to meet you. Can I have your autograph?" Like, I'm thrilled to meet you. Can I have your <laughs> autograph? You know, like, yeah. and uh, I, he's made that comment often. You know, just what a privilege it was mm-hmm. to be able to have that role and to have that impact on 
on kids, mm-hmm. you know. Have you shared any of the Tom Baker or any of the Doctor Who's with your own kids at all? Or oh yes, so <laughs> <laughs> watch uh, watch quite a bit, and uh, uh, more so recently, my younger son who is nine. So we've been mm-hmm. rewatching a lot of older stuff for the quiz because I have to to watch this stuff to, yeah, to catch up. Yeah, and then we'll kind of just dip into other stuff. So I think uh, City of Death was a recent one. Oh yeah. We had watched. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Yeah, for the quiz. Yeah, and and he loved it. And wow. it's it's funny. Um, ben and I had talked about this, but it's still scary, <laughs> which I wouldn't think. I you know, it's like oh, this is silly effects, or you know, doesn't even begin to compare it to other stuff right. um, that the kids get to watch. No, I mean, I, I think just the uh, commitment to the performance, mm. um, not just Tom, but everybody in those those older shows, like people took it seriously yeah. mm-hmm. um and that that sells it it's also it's also so different still from everything yeah. else i mean i guess you know there's been attempts over the years to kind of do a show that's similar but it still is like nothing else and that's what always attracted my kids to it and they went through a phase when we'd watch it quite a bit though i think particularly the new series actually because they were sort of came of TV watching age, you know, two thousand five, six, seven time, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's 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 always been a very very different show, and I think I think that is what still makes it scary or you know effective for kids because it doesn't have a doesn't have a sheen to it that that a lot of obviously right. contemporary fantasy science fiction drama does. Yeah, that's that's a really good observation. Yeah, I think that's spot yeah. on. I mean, that's I mean, that's what always kind of. Not the only thing, but when the TV movie came out, you know, I was 30, so I was probably old enough, no better at that point. Um, but, you know, <laughs> that's what I resented about it, is it had a kind of an American sheen to it, which seemed unnecessary at the time and still does. Hmm. Did either of you pick up The Missing Adventures at all when Virgin started on the stories featuring the Tom Baker Doctor? Um, there was a Talents of Wen Chiang sequel, I seem to remember. I, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I I remember picking that one up. I, it was probably, I think it was called like Shadows of Wang Chiang or something like that. Yeah, this is, I think it is the Shadow of Wang Chiang. Yeah, and yeah. I, I remember that one specifically because I thought, you know, I, I know like nostalgia works differently for different people. That didn't, I, you know, right. it, it's weird. In the new adventures, like I wasn't interested at the time in jumping into something new, and then seeing that stuff, like ah, that looks like sort of retreading the past a little bit. Right. right. Um, that wasn't really working for me as much, but I I remember. I would always pick them up and flip through them, and it was like never enough to kind of right actually buy them. Yeah, interesting. The only one I picked yeah. up was uh, Gareth Roberts' English Way of Death, and I tried to get into it, and it just wasn't the same for me. And this is during for me during college, and it's sort of like I have other things that I have to read. I have to read. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> Ugh, reading. Is, well, it's just not enough time, and it's just not right. This is not exciting enough for me to get into it. It's a, it's a thought piece on the. Uh, English class system or something like this, and I, I, I Gotta read Jude the Obscure. <laughs> I don't want it. I just don't have the cycles to deal with it or the interest. It's not that yeah. it didn't capture my interest as much. Did you either of you ever check out the adaptations of stuff that he had done for Big Finish? So uh, lost stories like Foe from the Future. I know they had. You mentioned Gareth Roberts. I think he, they did those 
um, mm-hmm. well-mannered war, things like that. Have you checked any of those out? I have listened to the first two Gareth Robert ones, The English mm-hmm. Way of Death, and I can't remember which the other one. Is uh, well-mannered war. Is it well-mannered war? Yeah. yeah. And again, I think my assessment with the novels were pretty pretty spot on, I, I even with it as an audio production. Yeah. And this could be, this was early on when Tom was coming back to, or coming to Big Finish, and recording with uh, Lala in different rooms or isolated so they weren't really acting off each other and it seemed to me it was still uh, they kind of picked up where they left off in the early 80s and that iciness between the two wasn't Mm. wasn't very good and I wasn't really that into the Tom Dr. Romana 2 chemistry so like you said I liked the um, ones with Mary Tam a lot better those ones clicked for me better and I think they had better rapport even the ones with Louise Jameson I think are more fun to do than Tom and Lala Mm -hmm. so I'm guessing you watched the new Doctor Who the 21st century Doctor Who um, Mm -hmm. when it came back do you see any kind of legacy or impact that Tom made either on the actors portraying the Doctor or on the show itself? Does he cast a long shadow or have we moved beyond as a program um, from Tom Baker? Um, if if he has cast a shadow, I will honestly say I haven't picked up on it mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I was, I mean, I was thrilled at when he had his cameo yeah. Uh, yeah. in Day of the Dead. That was such a sweet, wonderful, perfect moment I didn't even know was possible. I didn't even know <laughs> I wanted. Um, and I love the fact, yeah. even just the nature of his character, just like, that's that's the title. Like, mm-hmm. well, now who is that? Right. And you know what? I don't even need to know. That's, that's so great. Right. Um, I thought that was kind of a nice sort of bow to tie, but I don't know if I'd really seen it you know, in, mm-hmm. in any of the other actors who've taken the role on or, or even, you know, there's some stories I could see that would work for his doctor. You know, right. certainly like kind of like the spookier ones you would be phenomenal at. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's it's such a different thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different flavor of a show almost. Yeah, which is what it's supposed to be, I think. Right. You know, yeah. I, it, that's the whole point of it. So mm-hmm. I think his his legacy is, is strong and untouchable and I think just because he had done it for so long and been through so many, like even his era had distinct eras within it, you know, um, as he went through different producers and and, and companions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I think that legacy is untouchable. It's iconic. Um, and having done it for so long, yeah, that's, that is, he is the doctor Mm -hmm. for, for many of us. And if, you know, for new fans, you know, I think he's always the first, you know, people will point to, you know, if you want to check out the older stuff, you start with Tom. Mm-hmm. This is the guy you start with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And with Davison, since that be, kind of became your doctor when the, that's when you started picking up on. Yep. Do you think Davison was impacted much by having to step into Tom's big shoes after, what, seven years on the show? Do you think that yeah. held him back or kind of was freeing for the whole show not to have the legacy of Tom going on at all? It was probably freeing because everybody else in the production was new Mm -hmm. you know so you have a new cast you have a new producer new just everybody Mm -hmm. so it's a completely new so i could see it probably didn't take long for it to become his show right and uh if i remember correctly i think four to doomsday was the first one he did yep 
So he wanted to like, this is how the doctor is going to be. Right. So starting at the arrival point and then kind of reverse engineering it. Mm -hmm. So no, I think it was, it was probably, yeah. it was so new, right? Yeah. I think the other thing, I think the thing about Peter David, I mean, I've just read, just read, I mean, I read it a couple of months ago for the first time, Peter Davison's autobiography, and it's really clear. And actually, what's the spin-off he did for the 50th anniversary that Davison organized with? Oh, with uh, the, the Five-ish Doctors. <laughs> Five-ish five Doctors. It's <laughs> obvious that, that Davison has got very, very self-confident. Mm -hmm. Very, very, um, he got a crazy sense, I mean, amazing sense of humor, incredibly creative, incredibly hardworking. In some ways, actually, I think he was probably the perfect person to, to uh, you know, as much as I sort of don't really care for much of the whole J&T era, he was a really great piece of casting um, because he was so different. Not only was he very, very different, you know, physically and mannerism-wise to, to Tom, but he also was a very different person. Um, I mean, I think, you know, it seems to me that Tom is a mess of sort of insecure insecurity hmm. um and need has this kind of incredible need to be looked at and heard um which i think a lot of actors have which is why they become actors um where peter doesn't really have that at all you know he's he's very 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 confident and kind of self-sufficient individual and i think was able to step into the kind of giant shoes of tom baker and completely change it without feeling intimidated by tom baker um, where you think, you know, there are other actors who'd be sort of way too frightened to take that job on. But Davison was like, yeah, OK, I'll, I'll give it a go um, and, you know, made it his own. Right. And he, it's not like he was coming out of nowhere. I mean, he was an established yeah. <laughs> actor. So, yeah, he's Tristan Farnan, right. you know, and sitcoms and, you know, he wrote music and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm yeah. not really well versed in Spider-Man, but I... I have a few questions and just how the two uh, properties kind of overlap because I think Doctor Who and Spider-Man are roughly the same age. I think Spider-Man debuted in 62 and Doctor Who came out a year later, if I'm if my memory serves. And it seems like Spider-Man has the same type of archetypal, maybe more so na big name villains because Doctor Who also has big name villains with the Master, Davra, Spider-Man has like Doc Ock, uh, the Green Goblin, that type of stuff. And then with Marvel, it's moved into um, the movie franchises and every every few years it, it reinvents itself. We have different actors portraying Spider-Man and a sim similar kind of regeneration literally goes on with Doctor Who. And I'm wondering if, do you see any overlap or is it me just kind of as an outsider of the Spider-Man fandom looking for commonality, I guess? I'm, I'm wondering if you see anything. <laughs> <laughs> I never stopped to think about it until oh. just now. And okay. as you were asking the question, <laughs> I was kind of going through my head and I think I can point to a commonality, um, which... I, I promise you never occurred to me until just now, but oh, okay. I think both both <laughs> characters at at their core are just average people with an extraordinary opportunity and mm. just making the most of it. Mm -hmm. And so pre-Timeless Children and all that stuff, the, just the, <laughs> the mystique of Doctor Who was like, this guy was bored or, 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 you know, never satisfied with, you know, the way life was going and for whatever reason mm -hmm. had to leave, right. had, to, had to go off and do something and has this... This incredible ability through his machine, he can go anywhere and do anything and just see stuff. And so his 
decision is to, or ultimate decision as it as it kind of plays out, is to just make a difference where you can, mm-hmm. help out and right. look after the little guy, right? Right. And right. that's the focus of it. And he's not um, a superhero. Right, being like creative, yeah. Peter just, Parker kind of isn't a superhero. He's what he Peter is. Parker isn't right. So he's and a that hero. and that's not a superhero though. And that comes up a lot, right? So Peter Parker, out of all the heroes, you know, he's broke. He's got other responsibilities. <laughs> he's got to go to school. You know, he's got to you know, in the comics, has to look after his his aunt and and all of that stuff. Right. Um, he's got real world problems, but approaches his sort of role as a as a hero with enthusiasm and humor and creativity and and all of those things um it's not just about fists or weapons or anything like that so it's it's kind of that uh and again like looking out for the little guy that's Mm -hmm. because he is a little guy yeah Yeah. that's where that's his so just kind of being true to your roots and i wouldn't want to put up with that so why would anyone else and that's (laughs) right i draw i i can draw a parallel with with the doctor and certainly tom baker's doctor like this is ridiculous why would anyone want to you know (laughs) we'll have to fix this (laughs) that's cool that's good i like that i like that yeah it makes a lot of sense no thanks for the question i i I never thought about that but that's yeah that's cool To me, Spider-Man has always been kind of a thinking protagonist, more of an action protagonist. There's plenty of action in Spider-Man, but it seemed like there's more, how can I think my way out of this problem? And I will resort to the, the fisticuffs or the violence if, if necessary, but he's more of a, a cerebral superhero rather than Superman, where everything is might makes right almost, more so. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's something to that, and and of course we all know, right? Stanley and great power and great responsibility, yeah. and there's Doctor Who mm-hmm. has two hearts, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like yeah. that's yeah. where it's coming from. This also seems to be. I mean, we're going to warm to this Spider-Man <laughs> Doctor Who theme now, but I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, it seems it seems. And again, I I know really very little about American comics in some ways, um, but it all seems Spider-Man doesn't really have the kind of level of angst that a lot of American comic book characters seem to want to take on at this point. Um, it's it not Batman. To, <laughs> yeah, he seems to, seems to, he enjoys what he does more than, there's a, there's a kind of lightness to it, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. I, I, I know so little about Spider-Man, you could probably correct me. I, I'd say at its, at its core, that's, that's true for the character. There is... yeah. There is that. I mean, different writers have taken uh, obviously right, different directions, right. but it will always kind of come back to that. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's just a regular value. Yeah. And, and why not? I mean, we definitely, <laughs> maybe now more than ever, Need a can, little hope could use that sort of <laughs> yeah. optimism. Yeah, 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 no kidding, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah. it's the darkest before the dawn. So, <laughs> I hope uh, so. <laughs> fingers crossed. Jeez, yeah. So. <laughs> Let's hope so. So any questions you have for us? We've been kind of uh, pumping you for answers. Do you have any <laughs> <laughs> anything you want to put us on the spot for? Oh, well, I'm trying to be mindful, too, because I've been listening to the last couple episodes. So it's like I feel like questions I had, like you kind of got to, you know. Um, well, we repeat ourselves a lot. We so. do, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Because uh, we, didn't, we didn't touch on, because uh, I know you, just, you guys just talked about it, but um, Shada. Because that was a big thing for me in terms of like one of those wilderness years yeah. moments where I did come back because right. they did release that videotape, and I and again it was like the mystique around it. I had read about it so much, and when I say so much, like 
that paragraph in the Peter Hanning book yeah. or, you know, whatever. But it was like, I want to find it. Like, mm-hmm. this is it. Let's see it. And did you know in The Five Doctors, that, did you did you know that the Tom Baker bit was from Shada or did you find that out at a different point? I did. I did know. Uh-huh. Um, and just on a, a quick tangent, but when the doctors are introduced and you get to Tom and Lala, it's just on a different level of a sophistication. <laughs> I mean, even though it's like an outtake from a you know story that never aired, right. just their dialogue and the rapport and just even the, the premise of the scene itself, mm-hmm. it's like they're on another yeah. completely higher level, yeah. uh, those two in that scene. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, then finally seeing a video with that insane narration. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> then, like, it zooms in on his face, just grinning. <laughs> yeah. But then um, they, I guess he did it again with that uh, animated version. Yeah. But Shada really lulls you in because that first episode is more or less complete. And you go, why didn't they finish it? And then you get an episode two <laughs> and episode three. And it's, right. it's like every 15 minutes of what should have been on a screen, it's Tom doing maybe yeah, right. maybe a minute synopsis. Yeah, and, and I escaped. And I escaped. And then I tricked him. And I escaped. And I, and I put a table on my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's Shada, I think, has gained a lot just because of uh, not being finished. Tom has his own missing adventure, effectively. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ever been novelized? No, it, it has been novelized. Yeah, it they has. did do it a novelized, has. didn't they? Which I've not read. Was that that was Gareth? Um... Yeah, no, yeah, Gareth Roberts did do Shada. Yes, it was, it was Roberts. Okay, old man Roberts. And I think yeah. I think Lala did the audio book. Uh, okay. That yes, so. yes, yep, yep. <laughs> I think there's like 43 versions of it out yeah. now. So. 42 if it's Douglas uh, Adams. Yeah. <laughs> all the Shadas swinging a miss. How did I, I miss that one? So, um, but I do have. So, are there? What's your sort of Tom Baker comfort viewing? So it's you know you got some time. You're in the mood for some Tom. What's the first one you're going to grab? Ooh, I'll probably do Robots Death. <laughs> robots of Death? Yeah. And um, yeah. Please do not throw hands at me. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Pyramids of Mars. I mean, all of those. I mean, those ones. I mean, the classics. Yeah, those classics. I mean, everything. No Underworld for you? Everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, under, under, I mean every, everything probably up to the Invasion of Time. After the Invasion of Time, it's... Well, well, then also, I mean, the the key for time also is is mm-hmm. has much to commend it. Um, I think everything up until Armageddon factor, and, and then I'm and then I'm and then I start to get done with it. And you tap out. <laughs> yeah, I think I do. So, so robots is your your first one. You said robots is yeah. It's this this it's it's just mm-hmm. so enjoyable to look at. You know, it's just like wow, it's it's so great. How about you, David? Uh I gravitate a lot towards season 12. If I want just comfort, comfort, it's probably going to be Robot, mm. the very first one, because I've seen it so many times. And okay. it's one of the few Doctor Whos that my daughter would have ever watched yeah. or would, would tolerate to watch. She is not a, a Who fan. Uh, beyond that, for some reason, I watch a lot of the Key to Time series. Okay. And I don't know. It's probably the early, early Toms. I, I love like Warrior's Gate, but it's not one that I would yeah. go back to a lot. I think uh, one that I'd find myself rewatching more and more would be Horror of Fang yeah. Rock okay. in the more recent years. And I think think that's been coming up. How about for you? That's a uh, yeah. I, I think I would probably lean uh, toward you know some of the choices Ben had made. Uh, Robots of Death just 
because you never forget your first, right? So, I mean, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. I do have yeah. a soft spot for that story. And you mentioned, you know, it's it's great to look at, but I think the world building of it is also fascinating. Just a yeah. little sort of class structure and, you know, the kind of behind the scenes stuff with the different families and, and all of that. Um, I find those little details that are kind of woven into the script uh, endlessly fascinating because it just yeah. gives you a, a glimpse into their their world. Um, and probably, you know, and recognizing it has uh, has its issues um, in today's uh, context, but Talents of Wang Chiang is yeah. is just uh, is just a great sort of rip roaring story for me. Six episodes doesn't flag all the way through. You just like bam, bam, bam. Which is remarkable, right? I mean, it yeah, just, it kind of is. Yeah, well, you look at some of the it, other six parters. Yeah, like that's one I could actually watch as a movie, you know, and I'd yeah. be, yeah. I'd be into it. Yes, I love watching Louise play Leela. I think she's just amazing, and Towns Wang Chang is one of her great roles. And to yeah. to as problematic as Towns is, to take that away from Doctor Who, let alone Leela's character. It's mm-hmm. it's a disservice, and I think an informed viewer hopefully can look at an imperfect piece of art and take many messages away from it. Maybe I yeah. don't know. So how's this been for you? Any other any other questions or anything that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like me to ask? This has been great. No, I I, I really you know appreciate the the chance to get to hang out. I've been you know hanging out with Ben the last couple months, I guess, on the on the quiz and been listening yeah. to you guys. So. You keep me company when I go on my uh, walks. Oh. <laughs> um, so it's uh, it's. I thank you again for for inviting me to hang out. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, we really enjoyed it too, and I really liked having another person to talk to because my fandom is <laughs> my fandom is really limited to to Ben and my son right now, and to, okay. I <laughs> I don't really. Well, the pandemic has really condensed fandom into its uh, isolated s- spheres. I don't know if you've gone out to Long Island. Who you had done conventions in the ni- or eighties or nineties. But uh, I went down to Gallifrey, and for me, it didn't really click. Ben, I think it clicked more for us. So fandom for me is mm. mainly having having talks with Ben and then, like yourself, Brian, just being able to chew the fat for an hour or so and yeah. geek out on Doctor Who. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think I it's, – it's interesting to hear you talk about it. I think I fall a little bit in between. Like I don't mind going to conventions. I don't, you know – go often i haven't been to a doctor who convention specifically uh since the one in the 80s <laughs> you know, yeah. the, where i got to uh uh see mccoy but um like long island who i was actually thinking about it but uh am i misremembering it is it around like thanksgiving weekend i think that was i think that's chicago TARDIS. chicago TARDIS. i'm not sure when i'm not sure when long island who but was, it was also the thought of like okay i could drive out to long island I, you know, I'll check out a panel. It'd be nice to, to see people browse the dealer's room. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then like the, it's, I think I prefer these, as you said, like these kind of conversations. So I like seeing the stuff, but, you know, in terms of connecting with people, I find mm-hmm. this a mm-hmm. little bit easier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 And I think the quiz is fun too, because it gives you an excuse to watch something that you might not watch, like the TV movie. Right. Although, I mean, and I and I got some, you know, really obscure questions. <laughs> I would have been like, "What a waste of time!" <laughs> it was. It, no, it's good fun. Yeah, I just had such a sinking feeling when I was watching that in '96. It's sort of like the hope that, oh, Doctor Who's going to be back and it's going to be great, and and you just kind of start sinking into your chair, going. 
it's not gonna make <laughs> it. Was it. More like, just like from between your fingers, like oh. And I had just gotten married, and had I told all my in-laws about this is great. Uh, I had my mother-in-law watching it and stuff. And <laughs> oh my god, really? Yeah. Your mother-in-law was watching it. And oh. they're just going <laughs> to my wife. Who did you marry? What? <laughs> well, it gave us it gave us Paul McGann. It gave us Paul Indeed. McGann. It that's, did that's a the, great audio doctor the, of, at, at least. Oh, superb! An amazing audio doctor, and then a great comic strip doctor. I mean, his his run in in Doctor Who magazine is pretty much my favorite yeah. run of the of the of the of the strip. Just amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I guess is is nothing really to do with him because it's just his drawn face. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Well, super. Well, thank you, Brian, so much for uh, joining Ben and I on this episode, and good luck on the Quiz of Rassilon. Do you have any place that you want people to find you on the internet? I know you're on Twitter. I am on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I don't have any kind of projects rolling right now, but if you want to stop by and chat Doctor Who, um, come find me at project underscore three seven, and um, yeah, that's where I'm at for now. <laughs> Fun person to follow. Occasionally get a bit of Doctor Who on your feed, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right now, there's some more pressing matters yes, that I might be talking indeed, about. Indeed, but... <laughs> indeed. We're about yes. 46 days yes. out, I think, as we record it. For Hopefully, oh, things. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, America will be sane. <laughs> That's all I had on this point. Oh God. Fingers crossed. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to episode 172 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been talking to Ben and Brian about Tom Baker and Doctor Who and the Twin Cities in the early 1990s. And I've been talking to David and Brian about roughly the same thing. And I've been having a blast. So thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. All right. Good night. Bye. Got that spidey touch, spidey touch.